Hi friends, happy December 8th. I cannot believe it. Time just continually flows. Welcome to the second episode of the third season of the Friends of France podcast. I don't know how obvious it is, but please excuse my raspy and congested voice today. I've been quite stuffy the past few days. It's been so cold here in New York City and something is definitely going around. But this usually happens to me during late autumn and early winter time, which it is. It's December. The holiday season is upon us. The Christmas jingle bells are ringing and rocking, and I'm so excited because I'll be flying to LA during Christmas week to celebrate with my fam. But speaking of the holidays, this time is a time not only filled with sickness, <laughs> and I hope everyone has gotten their flu shots by now, but also a time of gathering and traditions. I have always been so fascinated by learning about holiday traditions around the world. As someone who grew up with a Filipino mom, I'm very in tune with my Filipino Christmas traditions, which by the way, starts on September 1st every year. The whole Philippines literally roll down their paroles or Christmas lanterns, build their Christmas trees, and start playing Christmas in Our Hearts by Jose Marie Chan. Sorry, Mariah Carey's all in one for Christmas to see you. <laughs> all by September 1st. And I'm so curious to know what traditions your family or cultures have during this time. But outside of just tangible and ornamental traditions, one that I personally had growing up was watching the Home Alone series. I mean, who else? And also Harry Potter. Fight me when I say that the first movie is a holiday movie. And for some reason, it is also the time I binge on Disney Channel shows like The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody. Oh, I have a story about this. I will say one day where I was literally sandwiched by Cole and Dylan Sprouse in the subway years ago. Anyways, and Hannah Montana. Hannah Montana my fave. <laughs> but I'm mentioning Hannah Montana because it is quite related to our episode's guest today. You've got the best of both worlds. Chill it out, take it slow. Then you rock out the show. Remember that? Miley Cyrus played the iconic role of pop star Hannah Montana. Where during the day, she's a normal teenager going to school. And at night, she's an icon. Double lives, two worlds. And this is kind of like our guest for today. Physician by day, and sometimes night shift, you know what I mean, healthcare workers, and in front of the camera lights at night. Emergency medicine doctor and print and runway fashion model. That's Dr. Samantha Tall for you. Beyond just talking about the worlds of medicine and modeling individually, we really touch upon some topics that I find super fascinating and real. Like, what should we choose? Passion or career? What makes you happy or what gives you security? As an Asian, and for all my Asian listeners out there, and I know you understand, you know that there's a societal expectation for us, from our families and community, regarding what roles we should take in life. Especially academically, right? The big three. You're either a doctor, a lawyer, or an engineer. But what if you don't want any of those three? What if you want to enter the arts, or the creative spaces, or anything just outside of these domains? How do you choose? We actually met a story like this during our first season. Dr. George Chowser Wong, who was a former touring rock star turned anesthesiologist, and we take an adventure into a similar story today, but also quite the opposite in some way, from medicine to the stage, both at the same time. It raises a new question. How about passion and career versus or? What makes you happy and what gives you security? We recorded this back in spring, New York Fashion Week, so timely, and I am so excited for all of you to meet Dr. Sam, before I continue losing my voice. Enjoy everyone, have a great day. I'm loving this 
I'm loving this curls yes, going yes. on. It's very fitting for mm -hmm. our conversation so today. So I was like, oh, yeah. Yes. You know, How are you doing? Chilling for the most part. <laughs> you know, this whole week is well, the previous days is Fashion Week, and as I was thinking about the next season, I was like. There's only one person that can come to mind for me to bring on this fashion week. This is literally the best of both worlds. And I was just <laughs> thinking of Hannah Montana, you know, living one life and the rest. And we have you here today. Yes. I mean, doctor and model. I mean, what else can you ask for, right? So thank you so much for joining me tonight as we talk about your journey and your work and the things you love to do as people come yeah. in as well. If no you problem. just introduce I'm yourself, Dr. Samantha Tall, I guess. Um, I was born and raised in Cleveland, Ohio, did my undergrad at Emory University, did my med school at Meharry, and now I'm practicing emergency medicine in Brooklyn, New York. I'm an intern, PGY1, so I'm living the best life that I can. Yes, and Samantha and I have been connected for a while on Instagram, but we met uh, is it a few weeks ago or was it, has it been a month already? I was just flying and we got some boba, we walked around the park and we talked about so many things and things that I want to share with my audience. Well, I want to touch on first before we delve into the two worlds that you're living in. I want to talk about medicine. I mean, you are Dr. Samantha Tall. I wanted to ask why medicine? For me, I was always really good at the sciences like growing up like biology but really like physiology and just connecting with other like human beings and their families and like I was able to shadow because my dad was like a chaplain uh, for the most part in the hospital so I didn't really have like the typical experience of like being able to like shadow my parents because they're doctors like I saw firsthand like kind of how the comforting aspect of medicine outside of the science parts and I think that's what really drew me in just being able to like really help people in their most vulnerable parts of their lives and their family members so I think that really drew me mm -hmm. into medicine and then I just had like a natural strength mm -hmm. thankfully <laughs> yeah I think it's always super helpful to have like a natural inclination to the topics that you enter yeah. in that you're good at right because like you said um, um there's um, no positions in my family right surgeon. it's like all the way Except in florida and i grew up in ohio so the connection wasn't necessarily there yeah so so i mean for those who may not know even though i think it's the same in different countries as the road to medicine yeah. is quite long right? <laughs> i mean it's, it's not quite it's super long i mean you do your undergrad four years and then four years of medical school and then x amount years of surgery i know you're doing emergency medicine yeah yeah yeah. so which is so three some are four, but i chose three, three. so like i yeah <laughs> three years year yeah i know no no need for it. And so I wanted to ask, I mean, you have given so much time and effort and obviously emotions in school, both in undergrad and medical school and even in training now. I'm guessing a lot of missed events in the family and friends, a lot of times when friends may be hanging out and you probably can make it because you're studying. And also, for the most part, is the amount of financial burden that medical school, the whole medical training can inflict on its students those who yeah. pursue the dream right do you have any regrets in entering the field or pursuing this path sometimes i regret like training? not taking a gap year but then i think back to like what i would have done in my gap year and like my family's not the best financially like off so it wouldn't be like me traveling europe or anything mm -hmm. fun 
it would be me like studying and having like a full-time job and yeah like granted or like being able to have more time off to go on vacation with my friends and just like even with like some modeling events like it'll be like oh like the client would love to like buy you out to like Korea or something and I'm like I have a med school exam yeah. I literally cannot do that even though that would be a dream of mine but yeah. I'm like it's delayed gratification is like the motto <laughs> yeah well I wanted to ask you know going down this third season of the podcast I've had so many physicians on this point I think a recurring theme is yeah. um, this delayed gratification I guess your answer would have been different when you were a pre-med and then when you were in medical school as a medical student now in training and probably when you finish training become an attending but do you think a delayed gratification I think so is I definitely think it? it's good to not make like impulsive like decisions just because it feels good in the moment mm -hmm. and i'm seeing like slowly the delayed gratification mm -hmm. like working out really well like i remember being super stressed in med mm -hmm. school and in undergrad but now like in residency even though it's still stressful it's like i'm so i'm so much closer than when i like started that like my mental health is like really, really good right now for like the first time in a really long time so yeah. i think it's worth it and then like yeah. you might not notice it but other people notice it and they point it out so i think you know it's fine you know yeah, and I think also the interactions with the patients as well, right? Making difference in their lives and touching their lives as their physician, I guess that makes it all worth it, right? All of the hard exactly. work and all like, of the study. When you see it, because sometimes like right? even though you're doing the delayed gratification, sometimes you see like instant like gratification job, like some laceration mm. repair or like you notice like your patients like decompensating and like you reassess them and mm. now you're calling the ICU so that they're like gonna be fine and stuff like that. so it's like little things like that we're like yeah, yeah I delayed a lot but then I'm seeing a lot of instant gratification so and those lacerations and compensations that you talk about it's very prominent in your field <laughs> well in your department which is the emergency room right I wanted to ask why emergency medicine where did this love for trauma and the rush and uh, yeah, the trauma. So for me, I think what I really like about emergency medicine is that you treat anything that walks through the door. You are like masters at resuscitation. And like, you're kind of like the gatekeepers of the hospital where like, you know, what's emergent enough to get somebody admitted, but you also know what's enough to get somebody discharged. So for me also, I feel like the personalities of the people that are in EM we're all kind of like alike. Like we're all kind of chill. We like to like work out and just have like a good time. Um, and that's something that drew me to emergency medicine. Cause initially I wanted to do urology, but then I'm kind of like, no, like you're on call. Like the lifestyle is not good versus like EM. Yeah. Like, yes, it's a lot when you're on shift, but then when you're off, like you're, completely off and mm -hmm. you can go about your life like a normal person yeah. yeah i just enjoy it you know you see mm -hmm. like everything and anything and there's always characters but you know mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah i mean i'm just laughing in my mind when you say that the personality of em like working out chill all you think of right now is calvin's yeah. son that people to know who's like the epitome of an emergency medicine physician you know it's like i mean you see those tiktoks yeah. and those instagram memes of emergency medicine they're just like yeah. walking so coolly in, in the hallway and, and i think it's the same vibe that yeah. you get when you watch like Grace anatomy and then you see an emergency room doctor i mean you know despite the chillness of it and for sure the teamwork in the emergency room is 
amazing, right? I mean, when things start happening all at the same time and so many things happening at the same time in different degrees of purity and extremes, yeah. there's definitely days where it's probably so hard to, and I don't know, like heartbreaking. And I guess there's times where you feel like you did your best, but you know, I guess medicine is things that you cannot expect, right? Like you can give your best wanted. That being said, what do you think are the best and worst parts of being in emergency medicine? Oh, yeah. I definitely think, I'll start with the worst. I think the worst is definitely dealing with, like, death. Mm. Especially when it's unexpected. And then sometimes in the emergency room, there's, like, a sense, I, I think, I don't know, after COVID, like, people kind of don't realize that, like, the emergency room is for, like, emergencies. So yeah. sometimes they come in for, like, chronic mm-hmm. issues that they could follow up with their primary care doctors. Mm-hmm. And it's not, like, patients that, like, don't mm-hmm. have primary care doctors. It's, like, patients that do mm-hmm and still come to the ed even though they like we're just on the phone with their pcp and yeah. just in their office yeah. so it's like things like that where it's just like okay like i don't know how to help you so much mm-hmm. when you had instructions on yeah. what to do it's okay like i'll still help and then i'd say like the best aspect is like again like keeping someone alive and also just like teaching people like new things like then and there like that instant gratification component like i remember one time i taught my sex worker like how to use a menstrual cup and i was like yeah like this is a great way to prevent you from you know getting toxic shock syndrome Mm -hmm. and like you know then you can work because you don't have to show your string while you're like Mm -hmm. you know doing your job so it's like little little things like that where you're like expecting to do that today but like i don't know why but that felt good to teach someone something that like they like didn't necessarily know you know yeah so little things definitely and those small things are actually like could be the biggest day of someone's life right i mean i remember calvin would always say that the emergency room is the place where it's probably the worst day of a patient's life. Like they don't want to be there and they don't expect something and it happens and they're just there, right? And they're the hands of the team in the emergency room. At this point, you've seen so many lives and that's so far, not just a emergency resident, but also for sure during your rotations in medical school as well. Having seen so many things now and having experienced so many things, what would be your biggest tip or advice or encouragement? Or if you want to dissuade someone <laughs> or someone who wants <laughs> to pursue the field of medicine and wants to become a physician yeah so i'm like really spiritually grounded so i definitely think like having like a good like faith centered and like god or whatever you believe in is like one of the first things and then definitely also having a good relationship with my parents like growing up it was rough because i'm gonna like label them as like tiger parents like they like just never let me go out the house and never like let me go party but i'm appreciative that they did that because now i can do that now that i'm older just like kept me focused on what I needed to do and I think the biggest thing is you have to be like your biggest like fan because like at the end of the day like no one's gonna like really support you until you can show that you could do it so like when I was starting off modeling people were like why are you doing that like you're gonna distract yourself from medicine I'm like no I'm gonna do both and they're like good luck with that like you you won't be able to do it I'm like just because you said that I'm petty enough to prove you wrong yeah yeah that's kind of how i go about life like just be petty and yeah. <laughs> and just do what you want to do honestly this uh that's a real life motto just 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 be petty and do what you want to do and do what exactly. you have to do right Ever since I was a child, my inner arms and neck would always suffer from itchiness and irritation whenever I would sweat. It can become so debilitating, forcing myself not to scratch my skin and end up with wounds from prickly heat, especially at night. Thankfully, I have found relief through By Dr. Mom's Soothing Beta Cream and Soothing Bad Treatment, which uses barley-derived beta-glucan technology to help alleviate eczema, bug bites, and dry, itchy, irritated skin. 
Beta-glucan is a fiber shown in scientific studies to improve skin hydration and healing. And by Dr. Mom's products extracted with a technique that uses air technology, requiring no chemicals or solvents. Created by family physician Dr. Stephanie Liu with the help of an allergist and immunologist, you can now allow your skin to breathe and heal naturally. Using the code Christian10, that's C-H-R-I-S-T-I-A-N-1-0, you can get 10% off your first order on buydrmom.com. As a healthcare worker, my identity can become so boxed within the pressures and expectations of my profession that sometimes I forget who I really am outside the hospital walls. This is why I find so much power and liberation in self-expression through fashion and accessories. And Lupin seeks to do the same. Encouraging self-confidence and creating a safe space to be yourself, Lupin seeks to share with the world simple and impactful jewelry pieces that can bring confidence effortlessly. Meaning what goes around comes around, the brand, comprised of third-generation jewelers, holds a mission to brighten the community by promoting positivity and a growth mindset. Lupin's clean designs are handcrafted in South Korea using 925 sterling silver and can go with almost any outfit on anyone. In fact, I wear my pieces on and off shift. With the code FRANZ, that's F-R-A-N-Z, you can get 15% off your first order on lupincollection.com. Let's bring more luster into the world, together with Lupin. I remember coming home every day from elementary school and smelling the newly steamed jasmine rice in the cooker that my grandmother made just in time for dinner. It reminded me of my first few years living on the farm back home in Asia, sniffing the rice while overlooking the fields. Founded in 2020, Bison Candle Co. hand pours nostalgic and iconic scented soy wax candles inspired by the Asian scents, flavors, and traditions that founder Brandon Leung grew up with in his first-generation Chinese-American household. Brandon's mission with Baisan is to create authentic Asian aromas while rediscovering his love of his Chinese culture and heritage. The candles and home fragrances celebrate aromatic Eastern flavors and aromas one would typically find in an Asian kitchen or pantry, like Vietnamese coffee, steamed white rice, and white peach. Enjoy traditional scents alongside some modern spin-off blends and be taken back into the beauty of the motherland with the code Baisan France, that's B-A-I-S-U-N, F-R-A-N-Z for 15% off your first order at bisoncandleco.com. We talked a lot about medicine and like you said earlier, like Hannah Montana, right? Uh, in the day, you're a doctor or nights because I know you take yeah. night buses as well. And then the outspring of that, you're a literal fashion model. <laughs> I, wanted, I wanted to delve into that. It's like, where did this modeling come from like which came first kind of situation the chicken or the egg kind of thing right did, did medicine come first and modeling definitely medicine came first okay yeah although i think the inspiration for modeling was first what i actually did was medicine first so that kind of makes sense like growing mm. up like i mean my like actual last name is tall like that is yeah. definitive i never changed it that is what it is and then i've always had people tell me like oh you look so unique you look so mixed mm-hmm. exotic and I never, like, you know, really got the opportunity to try growing up because, mm-hmm. like, I grew up in a household without, like, internet and, like, mm-hmm. photography. Like, you know, like, I just did not have the opportunity mm-hmm. to branch out. So when I was at Emory, like, I was able to, like, work with friends that had cameras and needed models. And then, like, people were like, oh, you should, like, actually do this. And I was like, okay. And then so I learned how to use Instagram better and, like, connect with mm-hmm. people and, like, 
find projects to like go on to and then get signed. And then I learned about what a good agency is mm-hmm. from being signed to one that wasn't that good. And then also like contract negotiations and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And a lot of modeling is like, you just have to teach yourself how to do a mm-hmm. lot of things too. Like Koga Rosho, before she made the camp, she had a book that's like a thousand pages long. And basically it's like, because she's a trained, I think, tap dancer too. You just have mm-hmm. to really train yourself to like realize that like modeling is like acting, but you only like one like shot with the camera to really portray what you're trying to do. And then also like you are advertising like a product yeah. sometimes, but just making yeah. sure you know, you're giving good light to that and always just staying on top of your look and whatnot, I guess. If that kind of makes yeah, sense. yeah, yeah. Did you have growing up or even now or throughout your college years, did you have a huge role model model? You know what I mean? Like someone that you looked up to a model. Yeah. Honestly, no. I like. Mm. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. Like, I did not like most of like the mm. like because I felt I felt like it was very yeah. superficial and everybody and like almost like I don't know if you heard that TikTok audio of like Kate Moss with it like she like is encouraging yeah. girls to, like yeah. not eat. So I never really paid attention mm-hmm. to like models like that per mm. se. I just like always looked around. But mm. I think now that I'm more like solidified in my career, I'd say my favorite model is Christy Turlington. Like we're both half Salvadorian. She's yeah. one of the few models that went back. To, she's a super and went back and did like a master's and is like doing things to help El Salvador in terms of like mm-hmm. maternity crises mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So like, to me, that was very inspiring. And I'm like, okay, like now that I see your face everywhere, like yes. you're like really inspiring versus like some, yeah. like now it's like Nepo babies and influencers. So I'm not too, too inspired by like too many. I mean, I do like Bella Hadid, but otherwise I'm just yeah. like, I'm not, I'm not inspired right now. Yeah. I look back at the old supers yeah. and I'm like, yeah. okay. Yeah, right now, those supers, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, that being said, let's say someone out there is like, oh, I want to become a model. What mm-hmm. are the steps that one has to take to enter this field that's so daunting and uh, yeah. I mean, it's very daunting, right? Yeah. I think the first thing is taking like good digital mm-hmm. photos. So it's like mm-hmm. a Polaroid is like no, no makeup, quote unquote, with mm-hmm. people are wearing foundation and like mm-hmm. eyeliner, not eyeliner, but like, what's it called? Mascara and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. So if those are good, then you can submit online. However, when I first started, I went to open casting calls because mm-hmm. it's a little bit easier for people to get signed when like the casting director or like the agent sees the person in person. I think that's like a really good thing to mm-hmm. do. And then just building up a portfolio prior also to auditioning and trying to join an agency to show people like, hey, Ali, I'm serious mm-hmm. about this. Like I already have my yeah. book mostly developed. Yeah. yeah. Like we only need to do a little bit of modifications. And mm-hmm. then just being, you have to be like thick skin and realize like you're going to get like a lot of no's like before you get that yes. But mm-hmm. like that one yes can be like the mm-hmm. thing that starts your career, launches yeah. you and stuff like that. Because I think like Ashley Graham, she's one that I'm inspired by. Ashley yeah. Graham, I think yeah. she said like that it took her like 10 years for her career to like finally like really launch. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I can believe that. Yeah. I can want to believe yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's, again, it's just such a daunting field and there's so many opinions and, yes. right. And, but still, what do you think are the best parts about the modeling industry i think it's for sure meeting with like the other models mm-hmm. and working with like photographers mm-hmm. and makeup artists because i feel like a lot of us we all share the same goal of like we want our work to go like super far mm-hmm. and sometimes like the impeding factors is like a casting director or like the representative of the brands mm-hmm. like we want to work for they already know mm-hmm. who they like want to choose so it's sometimes mm-hmm. hard to like break the glass ceiling in that sense because like like i said like i've met like really really amazing photographers but then agencies don't want to like test so testing is like taking like test photos with their models with that photographer even though their work is amazing and like sometimes some of them like they practice 
practice like illegal practices of only referring like certain photographers or like certain makeup artists when that's like not actually technically so there's like no really laws with modeling which does make it kind of dangerous at times for someone who doesn't quite understand their contracts or they don't like understand like what's going on so for instance like the first agency I ever signed with he was trying to make me renew and like there was an exit clause that was like if I left it was like a two-year contract let's say that I left like one month into like the, the 24 month contract mm-hmm. for 23 months i would have to pay them like 200 or like 500 dollars to leave and i was like i'm not re-signing with you because that is absolutely predatory so it's like a lot of people don't know that so then they're like just stuck yeah. and then they don't realize that like things aren't free in modeling so mm-hmm. when they buy you out if the client's not paying for your plane ticket to like korea that's coming out of like your booking and then it could be coming out with interest. So like you have to pay attention to the fine print and like just watching like videos online. There was like one video that's like the dark truth of male modeling that like really went into detail about like all the things that like models go through. And then also kind of watching like John Casablanca's documentary of himself before he passed away. And you're going to see like kind of how predatory the modeling industry is, but also understand like the practices of it. And I think you just have to, you have to like outsmart them, make sure you're not getting financially played or legal played as well so i think that's been my hardest feat in terms of like going through all of this because yeah i've been offered like contracts and stuff but then i'm like i read it in depth and i'm like i am not signing this yeah i mean when you think about it it's so kind of so nuanced and so hard because obviously let's say a model right given this contract and for sure it's like it it sounds so beautiful and it's like oh i can just start my career oh this might land me into such a big project and it's like i'll do anything that it takes to do it right and yeah. said the, the field can be very predatory i guess depends on the agency or yeah. this or that but outside of that i mean i feel like both the fashion and the modeling industries are always often under fire online now especially because uh you know they talk about oh they're demands and lifestyle specifically diet and how one looks and always labeled as a severe superficial you know we hear for decades right like oh you must be skinny you must be tall you must be this you must be that i want to link this too to i don't know if you've seen this on tiktok now they called it the almond mom and they derived it from i think bella hadid's mom yolanda yeah yolanda uh, because of a clip i think where she was saying, oh, you can only this amount yeah. of yeah. this and stuff. And I mean, outside of Yolanda, this is a truth that's very real in the modeling industry. I mean, we've, we've heard so many Victoria's Secret angels come out and talk about, you know, dangerous diets that, the, that they were on to meet the weight quota for a single project or further runway. That being said, I wanted to ask if, was there ever a time during your modeling career and your your castings, your auditions, where you felt like you were targeted personally on a very superficial and physical level? Yes, for sure. There was this one agent in Atlanta me and my sister were trying out for this. And Jess, if you're so- like watching this, I'm sorry I like made you go through this. But we auditioned for her and she told us both to lose like 10 pounds. So we're like, okay, like we'll try. So like we went on this like salmon and like spaghetti squash diet. Like we were still eating, but it mm-hmm. wasn't like a normal like mm-hmm. diet. Like I wasn't about to starve myself. Yeah. And then yeah. back, we lost the weight. We were working mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. And then she had the audacity to say this agent like, oh, there's other girls that look like you too on our roster, so we're not going to sign you. And then I look at the roster and it's literally just like like white women with 
like straight blonde hair. I was like, what the hell? My hair is not naturally straight for anyone that's watching it right now. Like, this is not what I normally look like. And then my sister's also darker skin. So I was like, you're literally lying. And I was like, wow, this is crazy. Like, we did what you wanted us to do and you still wouldn't sign us. But it's like, whatever. Like, it is what it is. Yeah. And like, also my hips. So like, everybody wants like a 34 hip. I have like a 37 or like 38 hip. And I'm like, I'm, I can't. You can't, like, it's not a hip measurement at that point. You're measuring my butt. And that's yeah. not the yeah. same thing as, like, my hip. Yeah. And so yeah. they'll use it as, like, an excuse to have girls, like, oh, you need to, like, lose weight, lose weight, do this. And I'm like, why don't you lose some weight or something? Like, <laughs> like stop telling me what to do because, like, I have a chance to book this job. Like, you absolutely do not. Like, but that's, again, that's me being petty yeah. and, like, I shouldn't yeah. think that yeah. way. But, yeah. yeah, I tell a lot of girls, especially younger girls, mm-hmm. now that I'm, like, 26. Because mm-hmm. somebody told this one, one of my friends, like, oh, you should go on an ice diet. I was like, do not do that. I was like, for the love of God, do not only eat yeah. ice. Like, that is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. You're already naturally yeah. skinny. You know, maybe, yeah. you know, if you want to try something different, maybe, like, get, like, kids meals yeah. or, like, some, something that's still sustainable enough yeah. for you. But yeah. I don't think you yeah. need to lose weight. Yeah. You're underage. You're still yeah. growing. Yeah. I don't know told you that but like i wasn't a doctor then yeah. but you know i would have mandated reported that yeah yeah like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, that's a abuse yeah so that's just my yeah. opinion i mean as yeah. a grown-up different yeah but, like yeah yeah i mean you've seen a lot of body inclusivity and mm. you know within the modeling sphere and the fashion sphere but do you think there's still this pervasive idea that a model again based on history right models are the ideals and images of beauty of what society thinks is beautiful right what's worth it to be in a magazine a front cover of magazine and a commercial do you think there's still that pervasive idea that the ideal model is someone who's skinny and super slender and white yeah yeah yeah. for the most part i wonder i do think though it's really changing to more like Mm. pretty influencer culture Mm. it's kind of explain more about that yeah so it's like every i feel like every month that Vogue comes out with something it's always like some actress or like some celebrity on there and it's not mm. the same era where we would have the supers like mm. Chrissy turlington mm. or like tyra banks like like real no offense to like these actors and mm-hmm. like influencers yeah. but it's, it's completely different mm. and then like also like i'm noticing like a trend where there's like unreal there's not like a like a normal mm-hmm. body standard it's like you're either very skinny mm-hmm. Or then, like, extremely plus size or, like, very, like, BBL-like. Mm-hmm. So, like, body modification. Mm-hmm. Everybody is fine. But mm-hmm. I seem, it seems like for, like, the normal standard, like, four to six or, like, six to eight mm-hmm. size woman is not being, like, really included in, like, this, mm-hmm. like, body positive narrative. And they're mm-hmm. kind of being, like, shamed. Like, mm-hmm. like, people are like, oh, like, you don't have, like, the right to talk because, like, you've always been included in, like, mm-hmm. this conversation. When really it's, like, the zeros to twos that have been and not, like, anybody else. So, like, mm-hmm. I do think it's very interesting to see like what's going on yeah. i mean it's become a lot better so i will mm-hmm. you know praise yeah modeling industry for that but there's still problems that need to be worked out and like it's almost like talking about like gender yeah. equality without being intersectional and i feel like yeah. there's like a lack of that and people are just like they'll use tokenism and mm-hmm. stuff like that to like promote mm-hmm. their stuff and then like not actually like change anything if that kind of makes sense yeah this reminds me of i forgot the series on youtube but there's there's something on youtube where two different opposing sides oh, I like know what you're talking about they they walk to the 
come on the front if you believe blah 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 and then you walk to the front and there was one episode where it was instagram models versus yes. runway fashion model i mean i know you've touched upon this already is there a really big difference between the two i mean you answered this already is there training when it comes to like runway and original fashion models as opposed to influencers yeah so because I kind of do like a little bit of a, mm-hmm. like, I'm like a micro-influencer. And yeah. honestly, the micro-influencing is way easier to do than mm-hmm. the model. Like, I, took, mm-hmm. I took runway classes with my first agency. I took mm-hmm. posing classes. I like, it's different. I mean, being a content creator is hard too. Like, I'm not yeah. trying yeah. to disparage them. But mm-hmm. I feel like they are taking a lot of, like, opportunities away from models. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you watch the, like, the action, that video, yeah. you could see the difference in, like, how they both like both sides portray themselves mm-hmm. and it seemed like the instagram models were really a lot more entitled than the actual fashion models which i thought was really interesting because yeah. like you would expect the opposite but like mm-hmm. what i do notice about a lot of models is that they're like really humble they're really trying mm-hmm. their hardest mm-hmm. versus when i like talk to like big time influencers mm-hmm. they're like who are you mm-hmm. like oh i don't like really care about your presence so yeah. like are you gonna help me gain followers no yeah. like then i like care you know like and it's, it's different it is very different when you talk to both like different yeah. people i mean there's ones that are influencers too and they're still really down to earth like yeah, um, yeah. Oh, who did i meet i met jasmine one of the victoria's mm-hmm. secret models one time mm-hmm. like the club she was really down to earth but she's also an influencer because yeah. she's one of like, the original victoria's mm-hmm. secret models so. Mm-hmm. so it really just depends maybe it's just personality and i'm just like maybe making a stereotype or something yeah but, uh, yeah yeah all the that as the you know being an emergency resident physician so busy for sure you could take calls and this and then the hospital do you still model and how do you mix that schedule together yeah so with em i work when i'm on my ed box i work like 18 shifts a month so mm-hmm. it's like in the span of four weeks it's 18 mm-hmm. so yeah like what like maybe like 10 days off and like in those times i at least try to like see when i'm available to book a mm-hmm. job or do a mm-hmm. shoot outside of like a booking mm-hmm. or anything like mm-hmm. that so like the other day no, last mm-hmm. saturday i was able to walk for new york fashion week because i was like kind of semi off like i got called in for sick call but i was luckily able to find somebody to cover for me mm-hmm. last minute but yeah like i'm able to like because my agent knows mm-hmm. that like i'm a full-time resident mm-hmm. and that's very rare for a lot of agencies like most agencies will be like you can't do anything like you're yeah. useless. if you're not going to commit 100 mm-hmm. then don't even do modeling and i think that's not right because mm-hmm. you're not getting jobs consistently 24 7 mm-hmm. and these girls and guys and they them mm-hmm. like we need to finish like our yeah. education because modeling only works for so long mm-hmm. for the majority of people mm-hmm. so i think it's super important to finish your education mm-hmm. and like find a way to like make it so that when you're off on the weekends instead of binge watching you off of netflix you're going to a shoot or something (laughs) and like prioritize your career but also medicine law school whatever it is Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and this is a question that i was very very intrigued and excited to talk about i guess depending on how you label us both whether it's passion or it's a career Mm -hmm. and it's because we had a we had a guest in season one, Dr. George Chaucer, and he was a former rock star. Oh, okay. And then he turned to an anesthesiologist. <laughs> and throughout medical school and the residency, he would go on tour. He was touring rock star. He would go on tour. He said that he would study in the tour bus yeah. and then go straight to school to take the exams. And eventually, he gave up music career for medicine. Mm. Now, I remember him 
I'm specifically saying that he said that's my story, but that doesn't have to be the story of other people. And I want to post to you the same question because I think, you know, hearing your story and when we talked and I was thinking of us talking, it really reminds me of that episode because, and I think it's also in different cultures, different family structures, there's this pervasive idea of passion and career, practicality and uh, passion, right? I think for many cultures around the world, being a doctor is the when it comes to hierarchy that's the i know that would be the utmost reach of career right it's a terminal degree there's a lot of prestige and honor and satisfaction when it comes to the career and i just think the arts like the music or acting or modeling and fashion do you label in your mind which one is a passion and a career given that you do both and i'll see this questions is it possible to live both lives of a passion your career or medicine and arts and do you have to choose between the two at the end of the day hmm. and it's a loaded question but yes. i want to just throw it all out yeah, yeah okay so i mean passions and careers definitely both exist for me i think they're both careers like i've been long-term invested in them mm-hmm. and i feel like sometimes when i get this question like as a woman, mm-hmm. that a lot of guys don't get that question when they're trying to pursue two things at once. So I'm like, oh, interesting. Like you would not ask my male counterpart mm-hmm. that question. Yes. And I think that for me, when I become an attending, mm-hmm. like I work even less shifts by then, maybe like 12 a month. So it's a lot more doable for me to like be able to do both because like I said, you're not consistently working all the time unless like you're like mm-hmm. Bella Hadid or mm-hmm. Gigi. Mm-hmm. So I think it's definitely possible to do both. I've never had the mindset of separating mm-hmm. them both as like mm-hmm. a career. I, I consider them like both passions and yeah. careers. Like, yeah. Yeah. Considering one over the other would like drive me like insane. Like there are certain periods though, where like I take a pause from modeling to concentrate on medicine mm-hmm. because my medicine is more time constrained because, you know, residency is a very competitive process to do. I'm very grateful to have matched. You know, there's a bunch of residents that don't match every year. It's like mm-hmm. in the thousands. So this is my priority in this mm-hmm. stage of my life. And then once I master it, then I'm hoping that the next stage mm-hmm. is like, you know, modeling, mm-hmm. maybe making like my own agencies anything like that so it's like certain stages of my life are like when I prioritize one over the other so like over the winter break I had like a really bad breakup so I wasn't really concentrating on modeling because yeah, self-confidence yeah. was not there yeah, yeah. but I was like just concentrating on medicine and whatever like I'm just gonna work and like you know save these people's lives mm-hmm. and then now that I'm a little bit on a more lighter rotation and it's actually you know, like, like now I can do like some more modeling so I mean I'm still like doing everything I'm supposed to do yeah. for my residency but I'm like I'm you know not working 12 hour shifts right now I just like my agent know we try mm-hmm. to like find the jobs and then it happens so yeah. i definitely don't think i could enjoy life without one or the other in this world of social media that places so much physical critique and pressure and maintaining a youthful appearance against all environmental odds the skincare and beauty industries have succumbed to a myriad of anti-aging practices However, the covert fact is that beauty is timeless and that aging is a privilege. Regents, an inclusive wellness brand, seeks to promote this ritual of well-aging, understanding that it is connectivity with the body and attentive care given to it as it changes, including our skin. Founded by Filipino-American Giulio Rizio, Regents introduces the all-encompassing serum, created to target the concerns of maturing melanated skin by utilizing a blend of healing botanicals used by our ancestors and select clinically proven active ingredients. From the brightening Ayurvedic licorice root, 
to the soothing Centella Asiatica and hydrating green algae. Welcome to the journey of fueling skin health and enhancing, not changing, your natural shade. With the code FRANZ, that's F-R-A-N-Z, you can get 15% off your first order on regionswellness.com. Experience the power of mixing native wisdom with modern day science. Do you have any guilty pleasures? I have one, boba. Given that the average cafe-made milk tea has over 100 calories per serving, over 20 grams of high glycemic sugar, and is packed with artificial flavors, I am so glad that the guilty days are over with Twirl, the world's first canned plant-based milk tea. With only 45 to 50 calories per serving and containing 6 to 7 grams of low glycemic sweeteners, Twirl is made with pea milk, the most sustainable plant-based milk on the market, regenerating the soil where it comes from. Fair trade and organic are the names of the game, as the teas are sourced from biodiverse family farms in China, Japan, and Taiwan that practice sustainable farming techniques. No artificial flavors are ever used. From four different flavors to ready-to-eat plant-based konjac and boba pearls, let's enjoy tasty, creamy, shelf-stable, and healthy milk tea together for 10% off using the code FRANZ10, that's F-R-A-N-Z-1-0, on twirlmilktea.com. Twirl around in its goodness. Growing up, I was ashamed of my Asian heritage. Classmates would comment about the lunch my grandma cooked, other kids would make fun of my eyes, and even some adults today would tell me to go back to where I came from. But where do I really belong? Who really am I? Am I not American enough? Highlighting the year of the first documented arrival of Asian Americans in North America, 1587 sneakers seeks to shine the spotlight on Asian American stories and demonstrate to the world the extraordinary breadth of our passions and achievements. Made with full-grain natural Italian leather by Fowey Artisans, 100% biodegradable natural rubber outsole, calf leather interior lining for comfort and good smells, and waxed cotton laces for longer-lasting cleanliness, these premium sneakers combine the highest quality, an array of timeless designs, and the movement to be authentically who you are. With the code FRANZ15, that's lowercase f-r-a-n-z-1-5, you can get 15% off your first order on 1587sneakers.com. Step into embracing your identity without hiding. Express yourself unapologetically. Now that you've talked both the medicine side and the modeling side, obviously you, you talk about your experiences of how superficial and how daunting and how predatory the field can be. How do you navigate that both as a woman and as a doctor? This world of many, many worlds, right? Yeah. It's like a multiverse. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's like so different because like for modeling, like it's mostly like female dominated. Mm-hmm. But I feel like a lot of the people that hold positions of power in the fashion industry are still mm-hmm. men. So it is kind of hard to navigate mm-hmm. and like that whole, I don't know if you remember like Lana Del Rey is the guy mm-hmm. my way to the top. Like I still feel like that kind of still exists sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like that you still have to like satisfy the mm-hmm. male gaze sometimes mm-hmm. to get what you mm-hmm. need. Mm-hmm. And then the same thing kind of exists in medicine where most doctors are men. I am seeing though a lot of women mm-hmm. attaining like really nice positions of power. Yeah. Like yeah. for instance, where I work, like the chair is now mm-hmm. girl. And I'm like, yay, like this is yeah. amazing. So, yeah. It's really interesting. I feel like as a woman, people underestimate you. Like my parents always make this joke that, oh, you're like 
a loser. Like they said this in the nice way, but you're not like Prince Harry and you're not like Prince Williams. You're like, you have the world watching you and having expectations of you. Like you can do whatever you want and you're not going to disappoint anyone because coming Mm -hmm. basically from nothing into something. So that's kind of how like I view it as a woman. Mm -hmm. Like I'm like, you know, the expectations are probably already low. Like you probably already think that I'm helpless, Mm -hmm. that I don't know what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. You can continue to underestimate me and then like, boom, Mm -hmm. like I will... Over. Yeah, exactly. Like, just watch me step on your neck. No. Yeah. Yeah. Your life is so inspiring. There's many young girls around the world who want to maybe become a model, become the next superstar, or become the next best best artist, or the next best musician or dancer. But they are enclosed in a societal and family expectation of, oh no, you should pursue things that are more stable or things that will be more of a secure or more reassured return on the end, right? What would be your message to that young girl who is torn between what she wants to do if she has to choose again i see yeah. Ooh, yeah, that's hard yeah i remember my parents wanted me to go like one like a different path like they wanted me mm. to like really concentrate on tennis and i literally mm. was like, not like i broke down and i was like i'm mm. not going to like it was like a disney movie it's like yeah. i am not going to live my life for what you're doing like this is my life and i know i know i'm crazy for wanting to do something that no one else has really done yet but i'm going to do it and because it's like your life like i meet people who did things to like satisfy their parents or their partners and like deep down they have like a lot of regrets and like i can say thankfully i don't have many regrets and aside from like not taking gap years um (laughs) and just it's hard to do though. Mm-hmm. I definitely remember like getting so like anxious and nervous and like, oh, I'm disappointing my parents. But like, to be quite honest, at the end of the day, they're always going to have something smart to say yeah. about anything you do in your yeah. life. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. just be your biggest fan. Just do what you want to do and the best way that you can do it. And that way you don't live with regrets. Like, yeah, and you'll be happier. It's your mental yeah. health, not theirs. You're struggling because they want you to do something yeah. you don't want to do. And that's like, yeah. Okay. But I say, that with privilege is someone mm-hmm. like that lives like in a nice western country that yeah. can do that not, yeah. not everyone is privileged mm-hmm. so i i really do acknowledge my privilege on that but i yes. do hope that like young girls out mm-hmm. there can do the things that they want to do without yeah. being judged uh, yeah and you know i always say this story and the lives change because i just love it with a broken heart you know we had a cardiac fellow when i was working in the hospital years ago and it was in the nursing station one like midnight we were talking he was telling us how he was a photographer in college and he's always wanted to do photography but he comes from i think six generations of physicians in his family so he felt like he didn't have any other choice but to become a physician too, right? So he pursues medicine, um, becomes a cardiologist. He, he was in fellowship at that time. And I think we just finished a rapid response or a code or something like that. And he said, you know, what's so sad? And I'm like, what, what? What's so sad? He said, you know, it's so sad that I call the shots on people's hearts when my own is not in it. Uh, oh, yeah. So... You know, this is a very prevalent thing throughout the world, you know, both boys and girls. And I would say, I guess, more for girls, right? Because it's it's usually for women who we make it seem like they can't be 
yeah. many different things at the same time, right? And and it's so true. I agree with that you say that, you know, you just do what you love to do, right? Life is so sure that you can be whatever you want to be. You can be a doctor. You can be a model at the same time as you have done, right? And it's something that's so, so inspiring and so amazing to me. So... Thank you so much for sharing your story to us. Yes. Now that we've talked about all of the difficulties and all of the great moments about being a resident physician, also as a model in a very daunting, potentially predatory world, two very polarizing worlds, by the way, very different worlds, right? I mean, um, kind of at the end of the day, they can kind of be the same sometimes. Yeah, and that's what I was going to ask next was, is there something or things in medicine that contribute to you being a model or things in modeling that contribute to being a physician, whether it's characteristic building or lessons or skills that you've learned and honed from both fields? For sure. Because I'm like naturally introverted. So for me, mm-hmm. both careers help me like learn how to interact with people because like medicine is a people's person's mm-hmm. job and same mm-hmm. with modeling like you're mm-hmm. consistently meeting people mm-hmm. so i think the two are intertwined in that way and then also just mm-hmm. relating to like rejection mm-hmm. you can face a lot of rejection on your journey to medicine i don't really face it so much now as a resident yeah. because i kind of reached yeah, the goal yeah. almost yeah. but when you're like just doing anything i had to really gain in the mentality that every no meant next opportunity mm-hmm. so it's like i really had to like learn to like not take things personal people are stressed out mm-hmm. in both fields and like it is kind of what it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and like resiliency because like people think that modeling is super glamorous all the time but you don't know like backstage like i'm like on my feet or i'm like mm-hmm. just naked in front of like random sh- like mm-hmm. getting ready for the yeah. show i'm in heels for like three, like three hours straight yeah. just standing yeah. same with medicine like i'm on a 12-hour shift i'm mm-hmm. standing i'm running around mm-hmm. i'm like sometimes forgetting to mm-hmm. eat they're very similar in the sense of a lot of chaos going on yeah. at the same time yeah. but you're trying to perform and mm-hmm. do your job and then go home yeah <laughs> yeah 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 in the midst of all of that chaos in both worlds how do you decompress out of it oh yeah i feel like, okay so for me i try to like go to church every week like that's like mm-hmm. if i can do that then like mm-hmm. i'm like good you know mm-hmm. i'm like okay the week will be fine i did what i'm supposed to do and then other times, like, I, like, go, I joined a rock climbing gym, like, moldering gym called Vital, so I do that now, as in, like, a week ago. So, <laughs> <laughs> New beginnings. I, like, <laughs> I enjoy that. I go with one of my best friends from high school. And then also, I know this is bad, but I like to go out on the weekends. Because do I what like you got to do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, like, it's not about drinking. I'm not into yeah. that. It's about, yeah. like, I love going to places with disco balls and hearing yeah. good music and dancing. Like, that's another form of working out, and people don't yeah. realize that. Cardio. So it's <laughs> Exactly. It's cardio, and it's, like, better than, like, me running, like, around the park. Like, I'd rather dance mm-hmm. and then go home and chill or even grab, like, a pizza or something <laughs> after the club. We love pizza or boba, right? <laughs> right, boba, yes. Yeah, doc. There's Samantha Tall, doctor and model. I am I'm just so amazed and just so inspired and just so encouraged by your story and your journey. And I mean, it's just a testament to everybody, right? That you can do whatever you want to be. That you can be whatever you want to be with no limitations. Like no matter what society's expectations may be, you just got to show it to them. You just got to show them that you can, right? Exactly. And that's what you've shown us. So thank you so much for joining me in this live. I've been so looking forward to this and the middle of fashion week. I mean, it's like, like, 
like medicine and modeling is both fashion. I mean, you know, walking into the hospital hall, like, <laughs> I know what to do. You can trust me, right? Thank you so much. Yeah. I mean, yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. And of course. Because <laughs> I was nervous. I was like, I've never done a live. So this is my first. Well, Bye. we did it, and yeah. we talked about so many amazing things. So, thank you so much. Thank you. Have a good night. Thank you. Bye, everyone.